Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we have an interesting topic. There is a crisis that the world is facing. It's all about the supply chain. Sean, Karen, are you guys up on this? Uh, kind of, but I know that Sean's really up on it. Well, yeah, of course I'm up on this supply chain uh, crisis that's going on. I mean, it's, it's surprising because, it, like I always say, you know, s- school teaches you one thing, but life teaches you another thing. You know, this is not oh, – oh, you like that, right? Philosophical. <laughs> uh, yeah, this supply <laughs> chain is, is wreaking economic havoc across the world. The supply chain disruption – was supposed to be over once people returned to work, but there's a disruption that's causing shortages. And I don't know what's going to happen for Christmas and Hanukkah, Karen. Maybe you can tell people, like, really get into what's going on and the specifics around this. Well, specifically, it's what it sounds like. It's a shortage in supplies and office materials, construction materials, car parts, just stuff that we need for all of our daily lives to work. And I know that you have a shipping business, Sean. So I don't, are you experiencing any shortages of anything? I actually am. I, I usually order from my store, like these, they call commercial bins, and they're really just big boxes, 28 by 48 by 28. And wow. we've had shortages of them. People calling me up asking for commercial bins, and it's prevented me from shipping large shipments. You know, that's the there's like ingredients when it comes to materials and supplies that one active ingredient can float, can start something down. Hence why there's a shortage of cars right now, because the chip, there's a shortage of chips. Right. It's a whole chain. <laughs> yes, no, we are. Yes, there is an emergency shortage of potato chips, Matt. Actually, but, but His just, ears just perked up. Just to do a quick reset, let me, let me give a little definition to our listeners. I know we kind of all know what this is, but to define the supply chain, the supply chain is how a company turns raw materials into finished goods and services for the customer. It starts with the harvesting of raw material. And the commodity could be crops, animals, timber, gold, or other natural resources. And then that commodity goes to the manufacturer. And then it eventually ends up 
one of three places, a wholesaler, a retailer, and directly to the consumer. And that's where we are right now, where this supply chain has been disrupted. So the goods and services that we normally get are now not getting to us as they used to. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, and it, and it has, and you can see it, right? Like you can see it in your shipping business and U.S. ports are packed. There are just so many cargo boats are just waiting there and the ports waiting, taking days off just to dock and unload. They're not moving. Um, and so it sounds like if there's a disruption just anywhere in the chain because it's a chain and they're all linked, then it has repercussions all the way down. So and the next just, question so, would be why, Sean? Why is this yeah, happening? And let me just explain economics one-on-one for you people. Like, you know, normal, what you'd read in a normal economics textbook, there's a thing called supply and there's a thing called demand. And once there's a demand for something, if there's a demand for like, I don't know, wine glasses, and there's a thousand people that want wine glasses, then the supply in most cases should be able to fulfill that order of wine glasses. But if there's not, uh, if they're not filling that order, that will cause a shortage. That will cause a, a low supply or a high demand and raising prices, right, if you're following me. But what's happening, which is defying what I think Economics 101 is, is like there is enough supply out there. So there are enough wine glasses out there to meet the demand of wine glasses. But to get it from point A to point B is causing havoc. And that's to do with this global economy that we're living in. You can't just – you're not just getting your wine glass from – the state next to you or the guy next door, it's coming from all parts of the world and getting it there oh. is what's causing this big supply chain. So, so Sean, let me ask, it. let me ask you a question, Sean. Yes, That's sir. all great about the wine glasses, but I need to know why, why is well, this happening? Why is the supply chain broken? Well, it all started when at the beginning of the pandemic, when China got hit first, because it caused factories either to close down or work less causing initial global shortage because the world is so, so dependent on China. Over 50 million people in China were forced to quarantine, Matt. Like, people didn't think that was going to have an effect. <laughs> um, and then China is like, you know, the center of, you know, Americans may not want to hear this, but China is the center of global manufacturing. So if they're slowing down. They're not going to work. I think we've been a- seeing made in China on our stuff for a long time. I, I think Americans are fine. I know you like the Canadian likes to take a shot at the American psyche, <laughs> but go, go ahead. Yeah, well, but, and that's the thing that the longer those factories were closed down, the larger the effect on the entire world. So for example, Ford and Apple, which are American companies, were not getting the parts they needed from China though to meet their demands. And that caused Ford and Apple to close factories and retail outlets. That affects tons of not just retail workers, but like the entire staff and buildings and whatever. And you know, shipping companies we said parked their ships because of the shutdown in China. So everything just kind of stopped moving. But but demand is I think the same or maybe even higher. And even to Trump to add to that, remember since the pandemic now, consumers have changed their way of shopping and, and, and needs as well. Like, you know, all of a sudden grandma is ordering on eBay and ordering on Amazon. She doesn't want to go to the grocery store anymore to get this stuff. You know, we no longer need movie of the popcorn, but instead we need home baking goods. We, we buy, everybody I know is buying home exercise equipment. You know, mm-hmm. entertainment has changed as well. So the demands are changing, the shift is changing. You know, that's why you see these these UPS and FedEx drivers just overworked because now everybody wants things delivered and that's slowing down. What you're saying, delivery, which is slowing down the supply chain once again. And grandma's not the only one shopping online, Sean. It's consumer shopping in general is trending towards e-commerce. And that's putting a lot of pressure on logistics because companies like Kmart and Walmart that would buy in large bulk and sell in stores have turned all those customers into online shopping customers. And this puts pressure on logistics involved to bring these items to your home. Just imagine that when you used to go to Walmart and Kmart, you see it packed with consumers all in line buying stuff. 
All those now are turned into online shoppers. And this logistics have to individually deliver those goods and service. So you can imagine the bottleneck that it's caused because we really just congregated in one, you know, in, in communities, we congregated in a few buildings and bought all of our goods. Now we're just getting them individually and have them delivered to us independently, which I think, you know, obviously is going to slow down the supply chain because it's not really, it wasn't really ready for this huge transition. Another reason for the why, according to some research, uh, is Americans, have, a lot of Americans have quit their jobs, like 4.3 mm. million Americans quit their jobs uh, in August, the most since the Department of Labor started tracking this data. And because of this, there's a shortage of drivers. There's a shortage of a lot of people who are key members of the overall supply chain. So, mm. you know, there, there's a lot of reasons for the, the, the why, but that's one of them in addition to what we've already said. Exactly. You know, that's when you see, a really good point. Exactly, Matt. To add to your point, when you see FedEx doing commercials on primetime, saying, come apply with us, come work at FedEx, you know there's a logistics shortage going on. Right. And the truth is, you know, I think this change is permanent. I mean, you know, you see what's happening to shopping malls. They're just closing down and becoming big buildings. (laughs) And if you go to retail stores, even in busy neighborhoods, like where I live in Brooklyn, the stores are just not what they were. Oh, you're back in Brooklyn. I've been in Brooklyn. I thought you were in Jersey, homegirl. You're back in Brooklyn. No, yes, no. We're done with Jersey. But, uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, I think this is just a forever change. I mean, the convenience of shopping from home is unparalleled and we're technically still in a pandemic. So, you know, stores are kind of empty. And and the truth is we're conditioning ourselves now as consumers to kind of click and have something come right to our home. So most of the home products, most of the stuff that we're ordering, most of the stuff comes from China. So we're being hit in kind of a big way. Another factor in this, think about COVID, you know, with PPP items that were being shipped first the shipments went to a lot of the wealthy countries. Then shipments went to some of the third world countries. A lot of these third world countries did not have goods to be shipping back. So a lot of these containers have just remained in those third world countries, causing a shortage of containers. Yeah, and you know, and that's the thing. So you're thinking about, once again, the supplies are there, but then factories in China have no containers to ship their goods in because they're all sitting in, you know, like you said, Matt said, in, in countries that normally do not have a lot of exports. So... The effect of this is the effect of globalization. For example, cars that are waiting in one part out of China, they can't be sold. Like I've been waiting, I've been extending and extending my lease because they just don't have my new car ready because they're waiting on one part. That's rough, Sean. I know I had it rough. Must and be and, tough. Yeah. What a what a hard life. <laughs> and actually construction as well. Like I'm doing some renovations to my home and we're already we're already project managing like delays in supply chains for certain glass that I'm trying to order, these, these specific wood that I'm in, importing from Italy. So it's like, you know, first world problem. A little humble yes. brag. A little humble. He's got, I got okay, some. Sean, we get it. We get it. You use imported wood because American wood's inferior for some From reason. Italy, from Italy. Even though you escaped Italy. Canada to swim over here. So, yes, Ameri- so it's no going to cause my, my home renovations to be slowed down because we're going to be wait. We're waiting on goods coming in. So, right. yes. So well, enough of, of your Italian uh, marble. How, how will this affect the national and global economy going? forward that's my question so much of our economy relies on the global supply chain that one thing just disrupting this chain can drive up prices and cause havoc so what do you guys think how is this going to affect the the economy well let's get back to the container shortage that led to first world farmers that have farms inland think about it farmers that like are farming in like the midwest and stuff like that what they usually do they'll send their goods and services via train to the coast and then it'll be shipped like soybeans is a big export that america does and it sends to china Mm -hmm. and so forth 
But because it's more, they're making more money just sending the empty container right back to China rather than sending it inland and letting them ship it out. And it's just a faster turnaround time. A lot of our farming goods are, are being abandoned and farmers then are not making as much money. They can't get their stuff overseas. And once again, there's, it becomes a, a shortage. All led all right back to containers sitting in, you know, parts of the world that don't do a lot of exporting. So, you know, for example, a container that would normally cost $3,000, which would make sense to fill that with soya beans because it could be pro- profitable. Now that same empty container costs like $30,000 to ship. Oh so God. think if you're just putting simple basic like potatoes or soya beans, you cannot make a profit on paying $30,000 for a container to fill it, no matter how much soya beans you put in it, Matt. No, that's a th- that potato math is really rough. Companies' warehouses are full, and yet it's hard to get that inventory places. There's a shortage of everything. Truck drivers, um, stock is being left at ports. Everything is slowing down. Companies aren't storing stock like they were before um, because they always have pressure to keep a limited supply. And companies have always believed in the speed of logistics normally. But now that it's not a normal time, um, it's they have to figure out another way to maximize profits and maybe keep more stock on hand. I've I've, I've been reading that one of the the potential solutions or changes uh, because of this crisis is that a lot of the major companies are going to start to create or, or their production will be based off of sales as opposed to forecasting. Oh, we're going to sell this many. There, there. It's going to be made to order goods mm. and services. Well, like Karen was saying earlier, though, this is a changing of the guard. Like this is happening. Maybe it came a little faster than what we expected because of COVID. But this mm-hmm. is a new world we're living. So it's the, 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 diff, the, the crazy thing about this is that there's no like, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Because this is somewhat of the new normal right. because of the, um, the way people are consuming. Because globalization is now really – and I was always – I'm, I'm still a fan of, of, of free borders. And, you know, I don't believe in borders. I don't believe in – duties and taxes, I believe, you know, and let the Adam Smith invisible hand uh, determine price and demand. But I can see now the downside of what globalization is, because if somebody's producing a part in Vietnam and you need it in New York City, it has to get here some way and somehow, you know. So I right. understand the challenges and what's happening. And, uh, you know, we need to get into container business. Let's build, well, let's is, is that the takeaway? <laughs> Sean <laughs> Linda take containers? Away. And you're, you're, you're going to leave the widget business mm-hmm. alone? You're going to start making containers? Hashtag, uh, hashtag not financial advice for those who are listening. Well, I, I believe in my man Biden, though. I think President Biden, he's trying to, like, uh, toughen up things a little. He's trying. The ports now are working 24-7 to clear that cargo because I know there's boats sitting miles away that can't even dock with mm. potatoes on them, Karen. No, that's unacceptable. You know, you know what happens to potatoes. They become potato heads like you don't want they, you know the potato head they, doll be, is they like, become even less acceptable than they originally were exactly <laughs> when left in a cargo container yeah we can't have that what a waste of potatoes it makes me sick to think about well as we digress on on this potato tangent let, let, <laughs> let's let's give some final thoughts you know I, I think as consumers we've obviously gotten used to speed and convenience when it comes to shopping um i know small businesses may find it hard to compete with large companies because Large companies can hire their own fleet of shipments well in days past to ensure their goods arrive on time or work better deals for shipping. Those who control the inventory are going to maximize their profits. Yep, especially those who control the shipping container, potato-seeking inventory. <laughs> Consumers so are going to have fewer choices to purchase. The rich will stay richer and the poor will stay poor. Isn't that what it's all about? 
Yes. And what about regulation? Do you think this will ever get regulated? Like government come in and try to like regulate, put some laws and tariffs behind this and some rules, you know, which part regulate what, which part of the chain? This, like what, the, the, oh, that's a good, that's a good point because you know, just an overall like saying, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to make some new laws globally allow, you know, boats come first, cruise ships come last, you know, I don't know. But I just think, as you just made a point, Matt, it's hard to unregulate something because it's there's just so many countries and so many factors involved. And, and you know, the containers are not most of the containers are not even owned by U.S. companies. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you even, you know, fix the supply chain when really nobody really owns it? Nobody's really fully in charge right. of it. Well, I do know that chain. on the technology tip, like some of the chips that are like only in like China or certain other countries. Like I know I've been reading about how there's like a you read? vast that yes, that there's like here in the United States and in other countries, basically there's a rush to make alternative to those chips so we wouldn't be as dependent on that technology. So I don't know how long that will take for that adjustment, but I know people do not like being hamstrung by, oh, we need this chip and otherwise you can't Sean can't get his new Bentley. So. No, we hate that. We hate not new Bentleys for Sean. And the truth is that once again, the pandemic has exposed vulnerabilities and inequalities, led people to break up faster than they ordinarily would have. <laughs> and, you know, giant companies and first world countries are going to be the winners like they typically are. They're going to be the ones who have been winning. Wow. That was kind of a depressing ending, but a little guy <laughs> gets this the one was deep. Exactly. Well, I'm going to say what I always say. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And clearly the supply chain, this crisis has changed the way we are moving goods and services. So you need to adjust people. If you're selling stuff, you know, read up on it and, and come up with a strategy because you, you're going to have to make some changes if you're in business. Uh, I'm Matt Smith for Two Black Guys with Good Credit, and I'm out of here. And I'm Karen Margolis, a third of two black guys with good credit. I always say it doesn't matter what you've done. And it doesn't matter really about the supply chain, really. It matters what you do next. So everybody's so innovative. And we saw how creative and talented everyone was in the pandemic and rallying and shifting careers and doing all of that. So if you've got a supply chain problem, you have supply chain blessing and opportunity to innovate. Wow, that was Best clothes you've ever done, Karen. That was really good, actually. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I, I would just like to say that, you know, people are probably wondering, wondering why we did this depressing show and it doesn't lead with like this feel-good feeling at the end. But I think it's important that our listeners have a really a macroeconomic understanding of everything that's going on around them and make you think a little smarter when you're doing your personal shopping and you're looking for goods and services, especially during this holiday season knowing what's going on. You know, if you're thinking of ordering stuff from China or everything, maybe expect delays or, you know, and and budget a little different because there could be an inflationary time because of the shortage of supply. So I think it was just important to share a show like this with our listeners so they can have a really macro perspective of what's happening around them and understand this global chain and what we do in a simple way, the way we like to always do with two black guys. So like I say, every week and all the week, Matt, all the time, your money is your money, Matt. You need to keep it in your damn pocket, especially during the supply chain. And I'm out of here. If you guys want to hit us up with a line, please hit us up at tbgwgc at gmail.com. That's two black guys with good credit at gmail.com. And Christopher in Alaska, Anchorage, thank you for listening to our show, bro. We appreciate you listening to, to it all the way up there in Alaska. We're going to ship you a T-shirt. Oh, but the supply chain. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> We out of here, guys. Black guy. 
If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.